Ezekiel proclaims a message of hope, telling those who have been exiled or living with hardship that they will be fully restored by the Lord's Spirit. A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out of, by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophecy to these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to those bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you, and you will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them. And flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophecy to the breath, prophecy mortal, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he had commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood on their feet, and a vast multitude. Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophecy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves. O my people, I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. A reading from Paul's letter to the church in Rome. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does, does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the spirit, since the spirit of God dwells among you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you... Though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells among you. He who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. Hear what the spirit is saying to the churches. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. 
Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, the one whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble, because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was referring merely to sleep. So Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go also, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the disciples said, See how he, so the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench, because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. 
I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Be seated, please. If I could have found in any of our hymnals, Dim Bones, Dim Bones, Dim Dry Bones, we would have sung it today. Um, particularly after our preacher last week and all of the energy she had, that would have got us going, I think. That's a wonderful story in Ezekiel. The people of Israel are complaining um, to God that they feel like their life has been cut off. Um, Our bones are dry. And so Ezekiel, God takes Ezekiel in a vision out to a plain full of dry bones, says, prophesy to the bones. I love it. The bones come together, bone to its bone, the rattling sound. It's almost like a horror movie, right? Um, Then the sinews and the skin, or the flesh and the skin. But there was no breath. In them. And so the prophet has to prophesy again and say to the breath, Come from the four winds, so that the people who are complaining to God are alive, but there is no spirit in them. And that's what Ezekiel says This is the people God will bring you back to life if you just have the spirit. And then we come to the gospel. And this is kind of a grotesque gospel reading. There are many things about it that I don't like. First of all, Jesus delays two days. He knows that Lazarus is sick. He delays two days. And he delays two days specifically so that Lazarus will die. He says to the disciples, and for your sakes, I'm glad he's dead so that we can go show off. And then um, he comes to the tomb, finally, and he kind of grandstands. I'm glad that you hear me, God. I know that you always hear me, but I'm glad for the people around me so that they can know that you hear me. I don't like this picture of Jesus grandstanding. And then when Lazarus comes out, when he calls Lazarus come out, we're told the dead man came out. Not Lazarus, the dead man. And he's still wrapped up. You sort of have this picture of a mummy, right? hopping out of, the, out of the tomb. I think John intends for this to be a little bit odd, a little bit grotesque, to make us think. He refers in the story, the Jews say, could not this man who opened the eyes of the man born blind have kept this man from dying? So he wants us to refer back to the story of the blind man that Dietra did such a good job preaching about. The blind man gets it. She talked about wrong questions and right questions. And at the end of the story, the blind man has been kicked out of the synagogue, cut adrift like the Johannine community, and Jesus finds him and says, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he says, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus says, You have seen him, and the one speaking to you is he. And he says, Yes, Lord, I believe. Compare that to Jesus' interaction with Martha in this story. Martha comes out, 
She falls at his feet. She's holding on to his feet and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus says, he will rise again. And she says, yeah, I know he'll rise again at the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even if they die, will live. And those who live and believe in me shall never die. So which is it? If we believe and die, we'll live. Or if we believe and live, we'll never die. Those are logically exclusive. Do you believe this? And she says, doesn't answer that question, but a different one. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the one coming into the world. The blind man says, yes, I believe. Martha says, yes, I believe that you are the Messiah, the one coming into the world. Not the question that Jesus asked. Do you believe that Lazarus will rise? Not the question that he asked. And then when the dead man comes out, he's bound with his bandages and a bandage covering his face. The tomb has a stone against it. He's been in there four days. We're supposed to contrast that story with the story of Jesus' resurrection. When the disciples have run up to the tomb after Jesus' crucifixion and looked in, what did they see? They see the grave clothes neatly folded off to the side and the cloth that covered his face folded and lying on top of them completely different from the dead man coming out. Contrast these things. And Mary, I think it's the same Mary, the one who wiped his feet, hangs around at the tomb after the disciples leave, looks in and sees the two angels, one on either side, the the Holy of Holies, sees where God is, and says to the angels, where have you laid him? She turns around and sees the gardener, Jesus as the gardener. She doesn't recognize him. That's a wonderful pun, the gardener there in the garden, God walking in the garden again, and says, where have you laid him? Just the same thing Jesus says to these people. Where have you put him? And he says to her, Mary, and she responds, teacher, just like she calls him in this story. So we're supposed to contrast these stories. She holds on to him. And he says, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go and tell my disciples, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Can't hold on to whatever the resurrection is. I think many Christian communities, and we have record of them in the New Testament, were looking for Jesus to come back as the Messiah and restore things the way they had been, to restore the kingdom, to put things back the way they had been. Jesus, in this story, delays, kind of to poke fun at those Christian communities who were um, distressed because Jesus had delayed his coming back, so as to say, don't you get it? That's not the point. He's not coming back to restore things the way they had been, but to point to the resurrection, which is now, and in God's future. Don't look for the Messiah to come back and and bring bodies back to life, resuscitated corpses. Look for the resurrection in the future. So this morning, I had you come in thinking of those things that might hold you to the past. Jesus says to the crowd, unbind him and let him go. 
What is it that holds us to the past that we need to be unbound from? Thomas makes a little appearance in this story. He says, let us go that we may die with him. Thomas makes an appearance in one of the resurrection stories. Jesus shows up that first day and Thomas is not there. They say they've seen him. He says, I'm not going to believe. Um, He comes back eight days later. There's Thomas. And when Jesus walks into the room, he breathes on them and says, Receive Holy Spirit, just like the Ezekiel story, wonderful. Receive Holy Spirit. The sins of whoever you hold on to are held on to for them. The sins of whoever you release are released to them. We have a lot of holding on to and letting go of. So the resurrection looks like letting go. The um, SAGE ministry did a, has done a series of, of Wednesday morning uh, quiet times. I missed the one at St. Elizabeth's, the second one, but the nun was talking about forgiveness. She handed out a sheet of paper that had a bunch of things that said what forgiveness is. And one of the things that it said on that piece of paper is forgiveness is giving up all hope for a better past. (laughs) Forgiveness is giving up all hope for a better past. Whatever it was that happened, it happened. And you can't, by wishing, make it go away. Churches, I think, wish we could go back to the 60s when churches were full and everything was great. Can't do that. How does that bind us to the past? Where do we need unbound so that we can experience God's resurrection in the future? Where are you bound to the past? The sins of whoever you hold on to, they're held on to. You can carry those things as long as you want to carry them. The sins of whoever you release are released to them. You can be free of them if you want. Hard work setting those things down. But the dead man comes out of the tomb. It's not the resurrected one. It's the dead man. Still bound to the past. Unbind him and let him go. Where do we need unbound? Where do we need that spirit to breathe in us so that we can live in the present and see God's resurrection here and in the future? Amen.